I'm Mike. I'm Austin. We are the Test Drivers. And we put tech to its paces. I think we need to talk about what you've been up to over the last couple of weeks, and I think a switch to Android is in the works. What? So we got, I've I've seen your video. It's a very good video about switching oh, thank to you Android, very much. and you're talking about the OnePlus phones as well. And of course, anybody that's listened to this show knows, you know, the Z Flip gang, love it, a Z Flip. Oh yeah. So we are going to talk about you you looking at Android more seriously in general. But I do, I think we'd be remiss if we did not talk about the OnePlus Eight a little bit. It is so good. So if you've seen my video, you'll know that. I talk a lot about the OnePlus, but spoiler alert, ultimately, I'm still a proud member of the Z Flip gang. Mm -hmm. I don't think, though, that that does justice to just how good this OnePlus 8, and specifically the OnePlus 8 Pro, really is. Yeah, because I think the thing is, is like, you you know these are great phones, but they're just, it's just not the one you want, right? Yeah, it's a very good, I don't know, like, what would you call, like, a non-folding phone? It's a very good traditional and old school phone. I don't know, Boring a flat phone, slab phone. <laughs> it's like about as good as a boring slab phone gets, but it doesn't fold in half, and it doesn't yeah. make me smile when I open it. So you know, there's, there's like, always a problem there. So the thing about this phone is right. So the OnePlus Eight Pro is the one that's most interesting to me. Like the OnePlus Eight. Yes. Is kind of like that's the phone you expected OnePlus to make, right? Yes, yes. And and it stands by a lot of what they have been doing over the last few years, right? Like it's cheaper than most of the phones that are available right now, even though it is now expensive, right? In in like you know it's like seven hundred dollars, yeah. right? But like yeah. it's still cheaper than what's around right now than its competition. Mm-hmm. In some cases, like by half. <laughs> but it still has a bunch of like great tech in it, right? 5G. It's got 5G. It's carrying over the 90 hertz refresh rate screens from the Pro models like the previous models of the OnePlus phones. It's fast, right? It's got a great looking screen. But the OnePlus 8 Pro... That's where it's at, man. This is like a legit flagship phone that they're making. Like, this is a very clear shift in what OnePlus are doing. Right? Yes. So I think the thing is, for OnePlus, this is a company with a history of the flagship killer, right? And in many ways, they were close, right? So, for example, some of the earlier OnePluses were several hundred dollars cheaper than the flagships of their day and still had very similar specs, had equal if not better performance, but there were always downsides. And more specifically, there were always compromises, right? Now, when you're paying two-thirds or half as much for a phone with very similar specs, you might be able to forgive the lack of waterproofing or the lack of a great camera, right? Like, those are kind of acceptable compromises. But over the last couple years, and specifically last year, starting with the OnePlus 7 Pro, they made a big play for the flagship market, right? The last few years, OnePlus have definitely been kind of, the price has been creeping up and creeping up and creeping up. But with the 7 Pro, they made a real concerted effort that this is essentially a flagship, right? I mean, they didn't maybe call it a flagship but it was a flagship in all but name and it had a lot going for it but it still had some compromises right like it didn't have any real significant water resistance it did not have wireless charging and the cameras were better but oneplus has been a very very long history of (laughs) you know they're, they're okay cameras they're fine they've gotten better you know bit by bit but they certainly have always been behind the high-end flagships like the Samsungs and the iPhones and the Pixels of the world. However, with the 8 Pro, while I'm not going to say that it is absolutely every bit as good in absolutely every single area, it is very, very close. And I have zero issue calling it a true flagship. Which is such a massive and wild turn for them to have produced this device. But what I find so interesting about it is this is a real clear example of a manufacturer listening to what their customers are asking them for. Ooh, I actually might have to disagree with that one a little bit. Okay. While, yes, okay, so I think people have been asking for these features. I would argue that a lot of the OnePlus user base, though, was not remotely asking for a more expensive phone. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that, that that's a very good point. <laughs> the 8 Pro is $900, right? I mean, 
OnePlus mm. got their real market share, and they got really they took like won over their fans with their flagship killers that were four hundred dollars, five hundred dollars. And it was interesting. So in talking with OnePlus before the launch and kind of asking some questions and getting some information on the phone, they referred to these phones, the OnePlus Eight, as their premium. And the 8 Pro is their ultra-premium devices. And I thought that that phrasing was very interesting. Because I think, as we'll talk a little bit later, there is now a very large, wide-open space below the 8 and the 8 Pro. For some kind of sort of traditional OnePlus, you know, four, five, even $600 at this rate. Uh, But a lower-end device, which is more in line with what a lot of people have always expected and looked at the OnePlus brand Four. Yeah. But that being said, I think it's interesting to see that OnePlus have gotten so much confidence. Because I know we we're going to talk a lot more about the specifics of the phone. And obviously, you can check out the video as well as many other people have done lots and lots of, of content around it. But I think one of my big takeaways here is that OnePlus are playing with the big boys now, mm. right? I mean, they have got the hardware for it. The phone is absolutely there. And you look at the way that they're selling this thing, right? So here, just like a year ago, you could basically only get the OnePlus in a single carrier. It was the very first time they ever had it in like any like real physical stores here in the United States. And that was pretty much it. Like previously, OnePlus devices were pretty much, at least here in the United States, were pretty much always just like this thing you order online. You had to be like an enthusiast. You, ha- you kind of had to know what you were looking for. You had to know you wanted one before you got one because you had to go to specific places to get them. You had to watch an MKBHD video yep. and go, oh, this is a really cool phone. Yep. But no one would ever walk into a carrier store and go, oh, hey, I like the blue one. Let me grab one of those. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But in the years since, the 8 Pro and the 8, specifically the 8 here in the United States, has gotten a wider rollout. But you can go into two of the three major carrier stores and pick up a OnePlus 8 with 5G, which yep. obviously is a, a big selling point. You can also order these things on Amazon now, right? Yeah, that's It wild. is a much wider sort of market share besides just the weirdos who know OnePlus from Android, you know, Reddit or whatever. You know, like, it is a very much bigger play that they're going for, which I think is great. I feel like they've earned this over the last few years, and now is the time for them to really kind of cash that in and go, okay, you know what? We're not just that weird phone. We're actually a proper huge Mm. smartphone company and we've expanded with phones that are honestly really really good so i think it's probably better for me to have clarified what i was saying about giving the customers what they want it seems like oneplus's customer base is kind of separated now and like it's split into two different fragments and sections which i think the company is recognizing so you have the people that are the real enthusiasts who are like i love this phone right like it's got top-end specs, right, and we talk about the previous ones, the OS is super good, right? Like, it is it is an alternative to the Pixel line in a, in a year when the Pixel was not what people would have expected, right? Bad is the word you're looking for. Bad, Bad. thank you, thank you. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> Tried to be nice, but, but like, the things that people have asked for is, like, we need this to have a better camera, we need this to have yep. wireless charging, and we need this to be water-resistant. So they've gone ahead and done those things, but for OnePlus to do all of those things, they needed to make the phone more expensive to justify the additional work needed to make that phone what it should be, right? Absolutely. So that's them listening to that side of their customer base. Unfortunately, the side of their customer base that's left a little bit out in the cold now is where is the cheap phone? Now, you could yeah. argue the OnePlus 8 at $600, right? Is that where it starts at? The- 699 Okay, so $700 is still in the same place that OnePlus have always been within the market? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. But the money is different now because phones are more expensive in 2020. It's kind of weird because we live in this bizarro land where things are being pulled in both directions, right? So, I mean, you look at something like the Pixel 3a, right, which is currently $299. You look at the iPhone SE, which is $399, right? Like, those are incredibly compelling phones at the same kind of price point, I would argue even a little bit lower, than where OnePlus used to sit. Yeah, the iPhone SE at $400 is crazy. It's not only a cheap phone, it's also like, again, you look at what is the phone landscape. That is a tiny price compared to, like, how you can get up to phones that are a thousand dollars more expensive right that are coming out right now i mean you could buy almost two iphone se's for the set of one mac pro wheels so i mean it seems like a bargain to me it's a wonderful bargain <laughs> but the, th- the but the difference is though like with the three pixel 3a the iphone se they're not new 
phones. Yeah. They have interesting internals to them. And yeah. they're, they're like phones that you could buy and be super happy with because they have, like in the case of the SE, great camera, wonderful processor, like super powered, like, you know, modern power in them. Yeah. But depending on what you're buying for, the OnePlus 8 could be more attractive because it looks like a 2020 smartphone not yes. a 2017 smartphone. And again, it's like, I am not saying one or the other of those purchasing decisions is the right one to make, but they are just different decisions where like you could make a very strong argument that the iPhone SE is a better buy than the OnePlus 8. Sure, sure. You can make that argument. <sighs> Me personally, if I had like to make that decision like i would go one plus eight because like that phone is just more exciting to me but it mm-hmm. is also nearly twice the price so yeah. it's it's an interesting time we live in because yeah you're absolutely right when you look at that lower end it really like previously budget phones and obviously you know over the last couple of years price has been stretched right i mean six hundred dollars used to be a flagship now that's like solidly mid-range yeah but when you look at the what you're able to get at the sort of the budget slash lower end style of phone there have always been compromises and while those compromises have gotten on much much more palatable recently with stuff like the se but I still think that there's a significant step up when you go to something like the iPhone 11 or the OnePlus 8. But I think where it starts to fall apart a little bit, specifically with the OnePlus 8, is that the jump between the 8 and the 8 Pro is only $200. And when you look at the 8 Pro side-by-side side with something like the Galaxy S20, like the standard S20, it is not only cheaper, but supports full 5G. I would argue has a nicer design, a better screen, a smoother Android experience. Like, it is still, when you look at it, like you said, in the overall scheme of where we are in smartphones in 2020, it is still very, very competitively priced. Maybe not bargain, maybe not flagship killer, but hey, I mean, the difference between $1,200 and $900 is certainly nothing to scoff at. Well, so let's look at this then, right? Like in the frame of OnePlus, I think they're aware of it too because they're changing their marketing. This is the second stage of OnePlus now. Ooh, I like that. Right, because what they are doing now is... We're not making a phone that you would prefer to buy because it's really good but cheaper. We're making a phone that is just better. Period. For them to be able to produce a phone that really stands up against the current Samsung phone that came out like a month before, that is a very big deal for them. Yeah, no, absolutely. So you look at the design, for example, right? So OnePlus have been playing around with weird and interesting finishes for a while. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, did you ever try one of the earlier OnePluses with the sandstone finish? No. It was like very fine sandpaper. Mm -hmm. I personally was maybe not the biggest fan of that. They still make cases in that kind of material, right? The sandstone. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. The thing is, like, I might not be a big fan of the sandstone, for example, but OnePlus for their entire history, have always focused on kind of interesting and unique designs and finishes. And the 8 and the 8 Pro have some of the coolest looking designs. So, for example, if you look at the blue of the 8 Pro, I have never seen the color blue this bright in my life. Oh, really? Like, I don't know what they're doing. In video, you can't really see it. But, like, when you put the 7T, which is a very blue phone, side by side with the 8 Pro, I can't believe how much bluer it is. I don't know what they're doing to make it this blue. And I don't think anyone should really care because it also comes in, like, black and green and stuff. But, like, they've pushed the envelope there. You look at the standard 8 with that sort of, I think they call it, like, interstellar something or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a crazy looking phone, right? So, like, they're clearly putting a lot of time and effort into making these phones different because i feel like as we've talked about before phones are kind of all similar if you're not using a z flip phones are all kind of similar now so like it i I appreciate the fact that they're not just differentiating with purely the hardware of you know the spec and the performance and stuff but you know you actually look at the phones the way they look and the way they feel that is an important element and they have put some some real effort into making them stand out but mike i don't like how big the 8 pro is and i know that i am gonna be on my complaining hill on my complaining mountain about phones are too big i like the z flip blah 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 but look the 8 pro is slightly smaller than the 7 pro but it is a big big phone how big are we talking because i think me and you have a different very tolerance for, for phone sizes you use an 11 pro max right yes okay so 
that's too big of a phone for me. Okay. Like I will straight up say, like I much prefer the iPhone 11 Pro Mm-hmm. pretty much purely for the size right like even the standard like iphone 10r was like kind of pushing it or the iphone 11 like that was kind of pushing it for me so i will freely admit this is my bias showing i just personally like a smaller more pocketable phone but the thing is so last year when the 7 pro came out i liked it it was obviously way ahead of what i expected it was a very very solid phone but because it was too big I was kind of not really drawn in the way I was with the 7T, for example, which in mm. many ways was similar, if not maybe even slightly worse, but was a more manageable size. It was significantly narrower, not quite so tall, not quite so thick, and specifically not quite so heavy. The 8 as well as the 8 Pro were both marginally smaller than their predecessors, right? So specifically, I know the 8 Pro is lighter because it doesn't have the motorized camera. But for me, Austin Evans... I still feel like it's a little too big. And I honestly prefer the size of the standard 8. Mm. So I don't know the exact dimensions off the top of my head. I believe the 8 Pro is maybe a little bit narrower and a little bit taller than the iPhone like 11 Pro Max, for example. But both of the phones are too big. And I hated carrying the 8 Pro. As much as I liked the phone, it, it was like I putting it in my cup holder in my car didn't fit. Putting it in my pocket, it was like sticking out. Well, it wasn't sticking out the top. But it was like annoying when I sat down. Like, yep. just, it's not me, man. It's not me. I love the Z Flip life now. I mean, because this is the thing, though, right? Like, in all seriousness, you have gotten used to having your daily phone be a yep. much smaller device to hold. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because the Z Flip, right? For, you know, we're obviously, in case you've been somehow sleeping under a rock and not listening to <laughs> previous episodes of the show, like, not, it's not just that you can fold it in half, like, it's, it's really thin. It's a very skinny device, right? And and that makes it interesting in a bunch of ways, but makes it really easy to hold compared to other phones. Yep. You know, and it it has some weirdness to it. Like, you know, it's tall. It's it's super tall. Um, Mm -hmm. And, I mean, that's interesting to me, though, right? Because, like, how tall is the unfolded Z Flip compared to the OnePlus 8? So I have the 8 Pro and the Z Flip. Mm -hmm. And, wow, they're, I would say, identically tall when you unfold the z flip so i guess for you then it's it's not necessarily the the size in usage but the oh in pocket yeah in the pocket right and just like how cumbersome the phone is on a daily basis yeah and to be fair the z flip when you know obviously when you fold it it's still a little bit on the thicker side but like i feel like the z flip for me is like a smaller wallet right yeah it's it's the the thickness part of it is not the thing because it's like it's super easy to hold in the hand when it's folded like that's one of the things that makes that phone so great but i'll freely admit i am a unusual person there's a reason why every smartphone company under the face of the sun on the face of the earth on the face of the earth thank you very much everyone's making these huge phones right I'm not going to stand here and say, hey, you shouldn't buy the phone because it's too big. Personally, it is a little bit too big. But there's so many things that are great with this phone. Like the screen. Mike, 120 hertz, full 1440p, incredible brightness, Mm -hmm. incredible contrast, incredible color. It's a 10-bit panel, which is something that I feel like a lot of people haven't talked about. But it's a full, true HDR panel. The only slight downside I can say is that this is not something that's just new. So the A7 Pro had it last year as well. But it has like, you know, like the curved edges on the display like Samsung have been doing for a while. It doesn't have the best edge detection or rather like the the accidental touch rejection. Yeah. So like for me, I'm like, you know, laying in bed watching video on the 8 Pro. My palms sometimes are fast forwarding my video for example. Mm, so mm. I will say Samsung has a little bit of an advantage on dealing with that because I feel like I never really have that issue with Samsung devices. But that's a small nitpick and honestly probably something that they could fix. They could tweak that. Yeah. The screen is hands down, bar none, the best display I've ever looked at in a smartphone purely because it has not only the quality that you expect with something like a Samsung device, and obviously the S20 was great this year, but it also has the resolution and the frame rate, which you can all appreciate together. You get your cake and you get to eat it too, man. Do you have any idea who is making that panel for them? I believe it is Samsung. Which is wild, right? Well, so the S20 Ultra, or obviously all of the S20s, they have similar hardware as far as like, they're 1440p, 120Hz displays. The difference is, is that Samsung, for battery savings or for optimization, or what, for whatever reason, don't allow you to sort of run the display at the high refresh rate 
and enjoy the high resolution at the same time. Theoretically, I would assume that the panels are probably very similar and that there's nothing stopping the screen from doing it. But it is whatever they're doing on the back end, whatever optimization, or I don't quite understand why Samsung have made the decision they have. I'm sure they have a good reason for it. Or maybe I know that uh, Anantec had taken a look at the S20 Ultra and found that Samsung actually did have some optimization code built in to sort of be able to switch not only the frame rates, but resolutions in a more seamless way as opposed to being stuck at like, you know, one or the other, but it didn't seem like it actually had been enabled or finished in time. So they may be able to update it at some point, but for whatever reason, OnePlus has it all. This episode of The Test Drivers is brought to you by SoundSource from Rogue Amoeba. SoundSource is a sound control utility that is so good, it should be built in to macOS. Whether you listen to podcasts, blast music, or stream video, SoundSource is for everyone who uses audio on their Mac. I have been loving using SoundSource recently because it helps fix some problems that I have when I'm listening to audio on my Mac. I use a USB interface that I connect all of my devices to, and if I want to change the audio levels, I have to like turn the knobs on the devices up and down, up and down, but then things get too loud and I'm in other applications and it frustrates me. But now with SoundSource, I get to set independent audio levels on all of my apps applications. I could just add in the app that I want. I can set an audio level for it. Done. Or I can even redirect it super easy. So if I'm listening to something through my headphones, but then I want to play it out loud, maybe I want somebody to hear an edit that I'm doing. With SoundSource, I can quickly direct the audio from applications to my iMac speakers as well. It's really awesome. It gives you per app audio control, which I really, really love. For better sound quality, you can boost volume levels, add an equalizer, and even apply advanced audio units to any audio on your Mac. You get fast access to your Mac's audio devices, so you don't need to dig around in system preferences anymore to adjust things. And if you have a DisplayPort or HDMI device that doesn't offer volume adjustment, SoundSource can help. It gives those devices a proper volume slider, and the Super Volume Keys feature makes your keyboard volume controls work as well for these. All of this power is available right from your menu bar with SoundSource. Visit macaudio.com slash testdrivers to check it out. Download a free trial and save 20% with the coupon code TESTDRIVERS. That's macaudio.com slash testdrivers and the coupon code TESTDRIVERS. Our thanks to the audio wizards at Rogue Amoeba for sponsoring this show. So here's the thing with the OnePlus 8 Pro. I was thinking back to my original list. Do you remember my list? The list yeah. of things Mike wants in an Android phone? Yep. This phone hits on paper all of those things. I mean... I can't argue with that. So the, I'll refresh. I'll refresh people with the list. Good camera. This seems yep. like the first OnePlus phone with like a, a competitive camera, like not just yep. a camera that's doable, like a competitive camera. And it seems to again, like like all cameras, really, it has its issues. It seems to be not great performing in low light situations. Yes, that's it. That's the problem. But you know, it's fine though. All phone cameras have their issues though. Yes. You know, there there is no perfect camera and this is just the place where this one falls down a little bit. The screen just looks bananas good. A++, yeah, absolutely. OnePlus is performing at a level where nobody else is, right? The the yeah. 120 hertz, 1440p, all of that stuff, right? Like that is something that nobody else is doing. It is the closest to stock Android that you can get not made by Google. I mean, I at this point think i prefer the oneplus like oxygen os build versus what google ships on the pixel like real talk why so oneplus has an entire optimization team which to be fair i'm sure many other companies do as well but they have an entire optimization team just dedicated to making this thing run as smoothly and as quickly as possible hmm. and i love it like it you can tell a difference i mean even going between something like the s20 and the, the oneplus which the s20 is a very fast phone right but oneplus have done just so much. And I know part of it's placebo, part of it's probably simple things like speeding up animations or whatever. But at the end of the day, everything flies on that phone. And the software experience is really solid. Personally, I really prefer Oxygen OS compared to any other version of Android. Like Samsung stuff's good, Pixel stuff's good, but I'll just throw it in there. I like Oxygen OS a lot. And then the last category of my four points is doing something different. And so, so here are some of the things that I've listed as to what makes that phone different. The 
wild wireless charging stuff that it oh, oh mike it's so good dude so can you explain this for a while oneplus has offered their warp charge tech and they, they've had a couple of different versions that's gotten faster essentially warp charge for a while was one of if not the fastest way to wire charge your phone right so it comes with a brick in the box it's like 30 watts uh, right now it'll charge your phone from zero to 100 in about an hour but obviously where that really makes a difference is you know when you're at 10 percent, you plug in for 20 minutes suddenly you're at 50 right like that's kind of really where you notice that big difference but they've never had wireless charging and their main thing was hey you know what our wired charging is really fast um you know what wireless charging sucks blah 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 whatever but with the 8 pro and i will say not the 8 so the 8 does not have any wireless charging but with the 8 pro in addition to reverse wireless charging which i appreciate you also have warp charge at 30 watts wireless it is bananas it is almost the same speed as the wired charging if you use their custom warp charge wireless dock right so it's it's similar to like what you would get with like the pixel stand or something it's like a vertical charger and yes it has a fan on it and i will be honest with you if you have it like by your bedside you're going to hear that fan in fact even Mm. so they have an option in the settings where if you are putting it on like your nightstand or whatever or if you can put it into nighttime mode it will charge slower so it's not the fan doesn't kick on it's not annoying that's clever oh yeah no they've thought they've definitely thought it through but you drop this phone on the charger a wireless charger and you can pretty much just stare at the battery percentage go like one percent two percent three percent i'm obviously exaggerating there sure, sure but you can watch it move yeah it moves so fast like it's crazy that the wireless charger on this phone is like twice as fast as the wired iphone charger so like one of the things that i respect in this is that they stuck to their guns yes. in the sense of saying like we don't go for wireless charging because it isn't quick enough so instead of just adding it They've created a product, I mean, that will do it. I mean, you can put that phone on a regular wireless charger and it will charge normally, right? But they have also created a solution where it's like, this is what we believe wireless charging should look like. And I can respect that. Oh, yeah. And like, I I will freely admit for a very long time, I assumed they were just trying to cut costs and make excuses or whatever. I'm like, come on, you have a glass back. Give me wireless charging. That's probably also what they were doing, right? But, (laughs) but But at least when they decided to do it, they stayed true to what they initially said, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then also you've got the fingerprint sensor in the display, which I'm still not sure about for myself, but it is <sighs> it's different, fine. at least. I'll say, right? Like, it, you know, if I'm looking for things that are different, that is a different yep. thing. Yep. And then the macro camera, which most people don't seem that cool. And like, you know, it's just like macro cameras, like whatever. But I personally would get a lot of a kick out of a macro camera. Like, this yeah. just like a thing that I wish that I had in my iPhone. Yeah, so the way that it works here is not wildly different than the way it has worked in previous phones. And mm-hmm. again, the 8 Pro and the 8 do it differently. So the 8 has a dedicated macro camera. It's not very good. Mm-hmm. But the 8 Pro takes advantage of, I believe they use like, it's like a little magnet or something where it will actually physically pull the lens farther back right. so that you have that wider range. So you can still get very, very, very close and you're able to focus. I will say I don't hugely find it useful. Like, I don't take a ton of macro photography. It's not something that, like, if it disappeared, I would, you know, not recommend the phone. But what it is is a useful feature that is something that you can't get on most other devices. And there's no way to look at that as anything other than a win. Oh, and then they've also got that weird camera. What's the other camera? The weird, strange one. Oh, the, <laughs> the color, the color sensor? Yeah. What is that all about? I don't know how they're using it. I asked, and they said that it was mostly used for their... It's not color pop. They have some some marketing phrase for it, where they, they have these sort of unique filters that you can take. They're all... I'm not going to say useless, but I would say gimmicky is uh, about the most charitable way I would put it. Um, but technically, it does have an additional little 5-megapixel color sensor. Uh, we can just forget that that exists because I don't think it really makes a difference. It reminds me of our friendly black and white camera from the Essential Yes! Phone. <laughs> it's like, why did you, you know do what? that? It's like, I don't know, we wanted another camera. <laughs> what do you want from us? <laughs> the black and white camera I'm going to just throw out there might actually be more useful than yeah. the color camera here. Yeah. But uh, you know what? Whatever. Uh, it's there. It adds one more lens. I'm sure they can say it has one more camera. Whatever. The other cameras, most importantly, are all good, very good, and excellent. 
So I know I actually we had talked about this before when we were talking about the S20. Mm-hmm. Remember we were talking about when you were jumping into the telephoto and how there was essentially nothing between the 1X and the 4X or 5X or whatever. Yep. Well, the OnePlus, well, it does not have a 2X camera. It has the 3X telephoto. 3X is really interesting to me. That is, I've decided, just now, on the spot. Oh, decreed by Austin Evans. <laughs> Everyone must deliver a three times optical zoom. No, but it's, it's useful, right? Because I find oftentimes 2X is nice. It's nice for like portrait mode, right? It's like a roughly 50 mil equivalent, which is usually kind of like what most portraits are taken on in the in the photography space. But 3x seems like a more useful focal length. And obviously with that 3x, you can then digitally zoom farther in just like Samsung does, although you can't do like 100x because that's dumb. But you can still go farther in. But 3x, I feel like is a better starting point and is a much more significant difference because if i just want to zoom in a little bit just punching in from the main camera is 100 percent fine but i feel like that this is my favorite array of sensors on a camera with the ultra wide the standard which is quite good and the 3x telephoto that feels like kind of the right spot to buy to be here in 2020 mm-hmm. mike mike you're awfully quiet over there are you contemplating abandoning the z flip gang for a OnePlus eight right now well look i'm all i'm saying is i'm really interested in this phone okay okay but i am not in the 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 desire to buy another phone right now (laughs) right you're like you made me buy enough stupid android phones already (laughs) yeah i i don't want to buy another smartphone right now but this one is really intriguing to me in a way of like I think that this is a phone that I would really want to use every day because like yeah. the Z Flip for me is not oh, no. where I am. It's Mike, not, I am not where, where you Please, are. No, 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 no. no, no. no. It's not, nothing's no. changed for me, right? Oh, okay. I had this like horrible cold feeling like, like <laughs> I was about to be like broken up with or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's not, it's not me. It's you. <laughs> Basically like the Z Flip, I couldn't imagine moving to, to be my only phone, like to be my main phone for things like the camera. Mm. It, it's just not where I would want it to be. But sure. it's still a device that I enjoy using a lot. Like, I, I really do love it. But it's a secondary device for me. However, I could imagine a device like the OnePlus 8 Pro being my main device. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just on paper. I feel like the Z Flip is the perfect second phone or side phone, right? It works so well for that so use for different. me. different. It is the most different. I couldn't get a more different smartphone right like this is more you know doing the in the doing something different category the z flip smashes everything right like it's doing more different than the oneplus is doing purely because it is a folding phone but look if we're being real if you look at it even if you take the price out of the equation which let's not forget the z flip is a full five hundred dollars more than the don't like don't mm. talk about stuff like that right now. It's yeah, too much. I'm, I mean, <laughs> uh, if we take the price out of the equation for a second, the OnePlus 8 Pro is without a doubt a more complete package than the Z Flip. And I would argue it might be the most complete package in flagships period right now. Mm. I will say the camera is not, it's like 90% there. Whereas previous OnePlus phones have been like 70, maybe 75, right? Like, for so, like the the larger sensor is nice. So there's so many differences between the eight and the eight Pro that I know that it gets kind of confusing sometimes. But essentially, while they both have like that 48 megapixel main camera, the importantly the eight Pro has a larger sensor, mm. and that makes a difference, right? Like I know Quinn. I don't know why I feel like I talk about Quinn on every episode, but I know our good friend Quinn, podcast cousins. You know, yeah, I like that podcast mm-hmm. cousins. Quinn has had some issues with taking stills on his eight Pro. Uh, like I know he had like some shutter speed issues, and some of the photos looked kind of blurry. I personally have not had that issue right. but i get it because when you go to these larger sensors like on the s20 ultra and the oneplus 8 pro what you get sometimes is you literally have to be careful of focus the huawei phones are having these problems now too right yeah, yeah. and that's just the way that all cameras with bigger sensors like you get that nice shallow depth of field but you actually have to focus right like most of the time with like an iphone you point at it's going to be focused because like 98 percent of the frames in focus it doesn't make a difference but when you have these larger sensors it means that the autofocus is more important and realistically it means that you as the person who is taking the photo 
actually have to do more than just press the shutter button sometimes. Sometimes you actually have to like tap on where you want to focus and, you know, do this thing called think about your shot for a second, which I don't want to be crass because obviously we all just pull pull our phones out and snap, snap. a photo really yeah. quick. Because that's but, what that's what they're made for, you know. That's what, that's what they're optimized for mostly. But if you want the best results with these larger sensor phones, you actually do need to take a second and to double check that you have your focus sharp because it, it can get a little soft. But that being said, it is really solid. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. If you want to save a bunch of time, our friends at FreshBooks can help you do that with their super simple cloud accounting software. They simplify tasks like invoicing, expense tracking, and getting paid online. So FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time that it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork. FreshBooks will automate late payment email reminders for you so you can spend less time chasing payments and more time working your magic. And when you email a client an invoice, FreshBooks can show you whether they've seen it, putting an end to the guessing games. So no longer do you have to send those awkward emails to check if somebody's seen an invoice, FreshBooks can show you. They'll show you every time it's gone back to again. They can even show you that a client has printed it. So it really helps you understand where that invoice is in your client's flow. One of my favorite things is that for every client I have, it tells me that average time that takes them to pay me. So that's just really good for me with my own planning. If you're listening to this and not yet using FreshBooks, now's the time to try. FreshBooks are offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of this show with no credit card required all you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash test drivers and enter the test drivers in the how did you hear about us section our thanks to freshbooks for their support of this show and relay fm all right so are you switching to android or are you just clickbaiting us with that video what's that i'm not how dare you try to libel me like that how dare i bring the c word into this conversation i would never never abuse my trust with you and the audience yeah. by a slightly nefarious title thumbnail combination. How Imagine. dare you, sir? Imagine such a thing. Look, <laughs> I'm merely standing in front of a photo of a PlayStation controller, sir. Oh, Mike, Mike, <laughs> why do you got to do that to me? <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. Let's, let's be real for a second. Okay. Yep. Let's, let's put the fun and uh, jokes aside. Mm-hmm. Yes is the short answer that video was not made because i needed a new clickbait title i have plenty of those i use those all the time i got clickbait titles that- for days i you don't have to worry about me i can do that <laughs> that's, a, that's no problem i meant every word in that video cool so the thing is like i had talked about and like we've talked about on the show pretty much the entire time i have struggled back and forth with what phone I want to use, right? Like usually the iPhone is sort of like my primary device and you know I've got some Android that whatever it is that comes out, whether it's an S20, whether it's a Pixel, whether it's the, the Z Flip or OnePlus, whatever the case is, there's always something else which I am testing and using. But my problem has been that I've been locked in so hard on the iOS front and, and this is probably the more important thing, I have not seen a really huge reason to switch, right? And when there have been reasons to switch, like, for example, the Pixel 3 was a phone that I actually came reasonably close to switching to because the camera was so great. But the problem was was that the battery wasn't great and there was nothing else besides the very good camera that pulled me away, Mm. which meant that it was perfectly usable as, like, a secondary phone. I would keep it in my back pocket, take photos with it. But it didn't really pull me away from the iPhone. But something which has been sort of gnawing on me the last year or so and specifically the last six months is that it feels like we've hit a point in time and i'm not going to say this is permanent because it certainly will continue to evolve but right now early 2020 we've hit a point where i feel like android have not one cool significantly better feature than the iphone not two but i would argue at least three major reasons why you should consider switching to Android. I'm not saying, Mike, that you need to switch to Android. I'm not saying that anyone besides me should do it. But I feel like I would be doing myself and the audience a disservice if I did not really investigate some of these excellent new phones that have come out. Does that make sense? Am I in my wild, crazy world? I've been alone for a very long time. Like My beard is like three feet long. I'm Don't I'm even. talking Don't to myself. Don't me with that. I, <laughs> I need a haircut so bad right now. It's it's this bad. Yes. Yes. Well, so like here's the thing. 
we need to look at what the what switching actually means, right? So like, yeah. Where's your where's your SIM? My SIM, my uh my main SIM is still on the iPhone, but that is entirely because I do not want to break iMessage as well as FaceTime. Right, so so that's the problem then, right? So like this this is the issue with the the platform lock-in. Yes. What do you what <sighs> is the plan? Well, so the the main reason I do that though is not necessarily just purely because of keeping everything on the iPhone, but I regularly use, for example, like we talked about last time, the iPad Pro. Mm-hmm. That is something I use as well as there's a MacBook 16 in my life. So there are a lot of other Apple devices in my life that I take advantage of iMessage on. So it's not only just purely that like everyone has my iMessage and I'm, I don't want to turn to a green bubble boy, but it's also one of those things where I really appreciate the convenience of having these things spread everywhere. Yes, I do know that Samsung has a wonderful tool to give your text messages a little boot over to Android or rather over to Windows. That's great. That's cool. Nothing, as far as I have ever tested, really touches iMessage, right? So, yes, the iPhone still exists in my life. I carry it most days, and it lives in my back pocket for most of the time when I am out and about. But the key difference here between my previous, you know, sort of excursions with Android is that the iPhone was always front pocket and the Android phone was back pocket, right? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, I, mm-hmm. that was always my primary device. I would pick up the iPhone first and I would, you know, grab the, the Android device to, to test the camera or whatever the case is. But now I will very regularly go out with my LTE Apple Watch and my Galaxy Z Flip and leave the iPhone at home, right? I won't worry about it. Or I'll take the iPad and I'll like answer, you know, an iMessage on the iPad and I won't even think about it because I don't need that device with me all the time. I need it for certain things. Like I rely on it for video, definitely, right? I mean, I like for Instagram stories, man, like I posted two stories on back-to-back days, one on Z Flip and one on iPhone. And the quality difference just in the, it was ridiculous. I was like, oh, right. This still Hmm. needs work. But if I can sort of step away from the work aspect, and I can step away from the fact that obviously I'm in a fortunate position where I can use that iPhone on rare occasions, I found myself perfectly happy with the Z Flip and perfectly happy, honestly, to switch over to Android for the vast majority of my daily usage. So that's, I guess that's the difference, right? Is that you're flipping from one to the other where it was the other way around before. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. So then you're moving, you're moving it around. Exactly. I went from iOS first to Android first, essentially. But I guess the funny thing is like the, the reasons that you're keeping the iPhone around, they're pretty important though, right? Like oh, yeah. messaging and stuff like that. Like they're pretty core device things. And yep. is that a problem for you? It's not because I'm so used to carrying two phones, yeah. right? Uh, I'm so used to the Apple Watch, for example, which I know you've had an on and off relationship mm-hmm. with the watch. I personally am still absolutely relying on the Apple Watch. Like, I, I, I use the Z Flip and the watch without the iPhone, right? Like, I, I like the watch more than the iPhone at this point. Okay. But the, the thing for me is, is that short of a couple of specific uses... I am 100% happy to use the Z Flip for daily usage. So kind of going back to my original point of why now is the time. There are a few things. So because of things like 5G, which I will freely admit the Z Flip does not have, the OnePlus does, and I actually find 5G is not maybe something I would recommend everyone to drop everything for, but it's better, right? Like I've noticed it's faster. Like I feel like my response, my latency is quicker. Like the best way I could describe it is, for like on the 8 Pro, it's like, are you on a really fast Wi-Fi network or are you on, you know, cell, right? Like it feels significantly faster, which to me, I definitely appreciate some extra speed in my life. But then you have things like the high refresh rate displays, which Android has had for years now. And I'm sure the iPhone will get at some point. But again, looking at that 8 Pro, while yes, it is awesome that we have 120 hertz display here, but you know what else had 120 hertz display? The original Razer phone in 2017, right? And Android has offered that for quite a while. And I've always been okay with the idea that if I have to give up a feature, right, on on Android to use iOS, that's fine, right? Like if there's one thing I'm missing, yeah, okay, whatever, I can deal with that. But now it feels like these things are starting to stack up. I don't have the 5G, I don't have the 120 hertz. You know what I also don't have? A cool flippy phone, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I think the thing for me is like, I'm just trying to understand, like, what is the the actual switching to android look like like what yeah what do you think of it as like just that when you are thinking to yourself oh let me do something on my phone real quick you are pulling out the z flip always 
Yes. Well, I mean, obviously it was. I did pull out my sim out of the Z Flip and use the S20. Uh, or sorry, not the S20. Well, I did use the S20, but I was using the OnePlus 8 mm-hmm. Pro for the last couple of weeks or so. But I was messaging you about this not that long ago. I used the OnePlus, and I got irritated with the size very quickly and switched mm-hmm. back over to the Z Flip, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, no, for the vast majority of my phone use full stop period, it is on the Z Flip. I will pull out the iPhone sometimes when I need to like iMessage, when I have like a phone call, and when I need to do pretty much anything related to the camera. Not entirely for stills. I take a lot of stills on the Z Flip, but anything that has the word video in it, as far as capturing, whether it's Instagram stories, whether it's capturing video for the channel, whatever the case is, the iPhone is so far ahead of literally mm. any other device that that one's not even a question. Okay. But outside of those things, and with a very few small exceptions, I live my life on the Z Flip, and I am perfectly happy with it. The compromises really aren't enough to cause me to reevaluate my life decisions. I'm hearing a lot of Z Flip and not a lot of Android. Yeah. Like, is there stuff in Android itself which you prefer and is is making this an easy decision? I So, look, I think at a base level, Android has gotten very good, right? Of course, we know that as the years have gone on, Mm -hmm. Android and iOS have stolen feature after feature from each other. I don't care, right? Like, whatever gives me the best experience. I will say that I am probably less excited about Android, the operating system, as Android, the platform that has lots of cool, fun pieces of hardware for me to play with. Does that make sense? Mm. So there are certainly things that I like about Android. Like, for example, Mm -hmm. I will multitask all the time on the Z Flip. So I'll have like the split screen apps up, especially when you fold the phone. It's kind of nice. I will, you know, be scrolling through Twitter, whatever, while watching a YouTube video with a floating window or like watching a Twitch stream or whatever, like having a little floating video window that can display over any app. Rad. I use that all the time. But at the end of the day, I feel like for the vast majority of my phone usage, it doesn't really matter if I'm using iOS or Android, right? And especially when I go between the Z Flip and the iPhone, the only real difference there would normally be a high refresh rate. But since both run at 60 hertz, it doesn't really matter there either. Like I can pretty much use them interchangeably and not even miss a beat. Now, when I use the, when I use the OnePlus, even though it's big and giant, it is such a smooth experience that that is something that does feel like a full step forward. But I find that the real differences for me in day-to-day use between iOS and Android are really, really minimal. What about like app experiences and stuff? Uh, mm, okay. Well, I I feel like I already talked a little bit about like iMessage and things that aren't there. Like Instagram still kind of sucks on Android. Um, but there are certainly some apps on iOS that I still go for the iPhone for, right? So I still use Apple Reminders and <clears throat> I've been waiting very patiently, Mike, for us to do our task manager episode. All right, next time. Wait, is that Next easy? time. We'll do it next time. Ah, finally. Okay, so my life is about to become much better because I'm so okay. irritated with like going back and forth between the stupid Apple Reminders app for the 100 messages that I set myself to remind me to eat or whatever. Uh, <laughs> All right, yeah, we need to very have important. A, I think we need to have a deeper conversation than just <laughs> what, what app are you going to use? Okay. <laughs> Okay, I don't remind myself to eat. I remind yeah. myself to bring the microphone into the podcast studio or whatever. But um, there are some other apps that I do kind of miss. So um, the, I use the app Flighty, which I, I believe mm-hmm. you use it as well, right? I do, yeah. It's great. It's so good. Like I feel like for flight tracking apps, I used to use – oh, what was it called? Flight Tracker or something. Flight Tracker, yes. But it, like they, they discontinued it yep. a couple years ago. Yeah. And that was the app that I relied on. And so I was like for a while living in the nomad land of like random like carrier apps and sort of this, you know, flight track here or there or whatever. But Flighty has replaced all of that for me. I love it. But um, it's not an app I've used a lot recently. So that hasn't been a huge thing I true, missed on true, Android. True, true, Yep, you haven't needed to worry about that. No, um, there are some other like minor things. Like I really like LumaFusion. Um, and so that's something that on iPad as well as actually I end up using it more on the iPhone to like mm-hmm. say like I'm you know working on like an Instagram story or it's like some small social video. I can cut it together. But the thing is, because I'm doing all of my video on the iPhone still, it doesn't really bother me. It's so, like a purpose tool at that point. That's not an issue. 
Exactly. So like I haven't really found a lot of of issues with sort of app support. I mean, yeah, a couple of apps look a little bit better, run a little bit smoother on iOS, but like eh, it's it's all very similar now, man. Like it doesn't feel like there are these huge quality differences. The uh, like ability, like when I look at like what apps I have on both phones, there are very very few apps that I have on Android that don't work on iOS or vice versa. I mean, honestly, some of the things that I actually really like about Android is that I can easily download like emulators straight from the Play Store, right? Yeah, I don't have to there do are any weird workarounds. Like yep. Yeah, so honestly, if it's a matter of like a flight app versus like an emulator, I can deal with that. That's that, that's a very simple trade-off. So I actually have been really pleasantly surprised with the quality and the level of app support that I've had going between phones, sort of really using them very seriously. Could Apple tempt you back? Oh, yeah. Like, what's it going to take? This almost feels like a very personal device and a personal decision for me. I feel like I spend so much time using the devices that I need to to review them. And I'm going to continue to do that and nothing is going to change. But I feel like I haven't been able to use a phone I want to use in a while because I'm always like being pulled in this way and that way. And I know this probably sounds like a very ridiculous thing to say. Like, oh, I have too many phones. But like, realistically, the Z Flip doesn't make sense as a device besides the size, right? Like, I get it. It's expensive. It's weird. It's crazy. But you know what it is? It's something I love using. It's rebellion for you, man. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. On, exactly. Go away, mom. I'm going to use my Z Flip. <laughs> but, but like... At the end of the day, I really feel like this is a palate cleanser for me. This is like a Mm -hmm. time for me to appreciate a piece of technology that I really love, the end, right? Mm -hmm. Are there compromises? Absolutely. And is there an iPhone in six months from now, or whenever it comes out, that will tempt me back? Probably, right? If that new iPhone has a 120 hertz display, if it has 5G, if it has that awesome design that's been leaked lately that looks like the, a mix of like the current iPhone and like an iPhone 4. The next iPhone is looking more and more interesting by the day. Yeah, yeah. And especially because we've been on this design for a while. I mean, like, it's weird to think, but since the iPhone 6, Right? There's pretty much only been two real iPhone designs with various yeah. sort of permutations. You know, you had the the standard, you know, the big phone, like obviously the 6 and the 6 Plus and whatever, were the first time that Apple had really done a large screen device. Mm-hmm. But I mean, 6, 6S, 7, 8, SE, they're all kind of the same. And then you've got the 10, 10R, you know, 11 Pro Max, like that kind of design. But there hasn't really been that much different in a very long time. And from many of the rumors, the iPhone this year will have more sizes, more options, more flexibility. And honestly, a lot of the features that I've been tempted away by phones like the OnePlus 8 Pro. So I'll be real. There's a very good chance that I will be spending significantly more time on iOS once that new iPhone comes out later this year. But for now, for now, man, I've been very happy with a a vacation from work and a a happy fun time with all the weird new flippy phones that I get to play with such as the Z Flip.